Yeah, this is good radio. We should shut up. <laughs> should we shut up? I don't know. Um, here's my question. I grew up with like CBs in the cars. Did you guys? No, no. not at all. No, but no, I, no. I, I thought maybe you might have, Arthur. Dad like, might have had one. I was real little though, so I don't remember for sure. I remember being a thing, but I don't know. But he, I mean, he had driven trucks, so it wouldn't have been unfamiliar to him to have that. Yeah. yeah well, no, we had. But CBs. I don't remember if we had one. I feel like maybe the first truck I remember us having, maybe there was one, but yeah, beyond that, no. I remember there was a neighbor I had that was in the guard. Or, I, I remember somebody showing me a CB when I was a kid, yeah. thinking, wow, this is cool. And yeah, I had no. a couple of, like, I had a cousin who drove truck, and so, and we had, mm. like, my dad had a friend who was a truck driver, or, like, I was familiar with Yeah, trucks. so, I mean, yeah. that was stuff that was familiar, but never... Yeah, my grandparents like Operated. ran the back cave. We had CBs in every car. We had a station, CB oh, station right. at the house. We had a police scanner at all times running. Grand. Oh, yeah, my mean, grandma had a police scanner. Yeah. yeah. All the running. Always. Yeah. Just always going. Very we, familiar sound. Yeah, Walking into her house. Yeah, yeah. The tones. We, you know, yeah. we, we knew what tones were for a yep. police call or an ambulance call or a fire call. Like, it was... That what was... is with these old country ladies <laughs> and keeping an eye on the fuzz? I love it. Well, probably, I, mean, I think part of it is just being a busybody. It, you well, want to know what's going on. Sure. Absolutely. Right? Sure. That and my, my mother's uh, first husband after she divorced my dad was a local police. So she wanted to And she was keeping... That's a, awesome. Absolutely she was. That's and, badass. <laughs> I yeah, that's know. gangster. <laughs> my, my grandmother was gangster. That yeah. I, I absolutely she was. As she would, I've gathered from the she things, she would put we, you in a hole if she yeah. could get away with it. Um, it just if she had an inkling too. <laughs> but um, hello and welcome again to the Good Trash CB Murder Cast, where we gather around a table mm. and we discuss the films. I'm just going to rename the Good Trash every single episode. I've, I've noticed that that's your new bit. That's what we're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, you've been do you've committed to it for a few episodes. Now. So uh, that's. <laughs> No, it's a good trash genre cast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. For 10 years. For 10 years we've been doing this. And this is kind of never have we ever. And why is that the case? Uh, might be the name of the That's marathon. sort of what the marathon is. The, yeah, never. Uh, how, how have we never? How have we never uh, done Smokey and the Bandit? So that is this week's film. Um, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. And... I wish I was the bandit, but I am unfortunately still Dalton. I yeah. don't have a good CB handle yet. No, if I was anybody, I'd be Snowman. You get into a fight? Yeah. Went the way it normally goes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do I do relate to Snowman quite a bit. Uh, yeah. I, I've won more fights than I lost. I think that's fair. I had a pretty mixed record. Mixed record? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've lost a lot, but I won a couple. Yeah, I wasn't undisputed, undefeated, but I, yeah. I, 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 I usually gave as well as I got, and I won. A bit. Yeah, I'm not Mike Tyson. People aren't scared of the rematch. No, no, nothing like <laughs> they that. They take it again, <laughs> even if I won. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, any place, fool. <laughs> so anyway, we're here to talk about everything but Smokey and the Bandit today. Uh, and as we do that, what we'll be doing is we'll be providing an analysis rather than a review of the movie. And What's that the does, difference, Dustin? That means that we're going to use spoilers. Um, reviews tend to avoid them. And we'll begin with a little bit of review, and we'll progressively get further in the show, and it'll get more and more spoiler full as we make our way there. So we begin with synopsis, which will be, of course, spoiler free. Then we'll do thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which is at the same kind of level of spoilers you might find in an old school Roger Ebert review of a film. Then we'll move on to a game called Expanding the Syllabus, whereby we might get into the gentlest of spoilers of this film or other films of its ilk. And then finally, we get down to business, and that business is, as always, analysis. So with that, uh, I believe we can go ahead and go to that synopsis. Arthur, delight us, please, my friend. Certainly. Challenged to transport contraband across multiple state lines, Smokey rounds up his friends and sets off to carry 400 cases of Coors from Texarkana to Georgia 
in 28 hours. Does that now, sound like Semtex? <laughs> Semtex? <laughs> the way contraband across. Well, that's what I was about to ask. Now, here's the question. If you were to remake Smokey and the Bandit today, it would be weed, right? It'd have to be. Yeah, have it, to it would be. be because it's legal some places, not legal others. Exactly. You couldn't yeah. do cocaine because it's obviously across the board. It's... And too, and too like malicious. Yeah. Right. There's something wholesome about trucking Coors beer. Yeah. Right. Similarly, I think trucking a bunch of grass. Is it like wouldn't be. Kind of... I mean, like it'd probably be a, an Apatow thing. It'd probably be like a Pineapple Express, more yeah. of a Cheech and Chong style. You think it would go more comedy than like sort of action movie like than like maybe? Because I, I think, but I mean, Pineapple Express really does have action set pieces action too. Comedy, so I mean, yeah. it does have that. It's got a full. But car I think chase. the road comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to try and pull it off. Who's, I'm surprised. I'm surprised nobody has. Well, yeah. that, you know, yeah, and I think that was kind of. I, I sent this to you guys. It's it's unfortunate we didn't get the the Smokey and the Bandit legacy sequel because. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a hoot. That would have been a hoot yeah. with uh, with Bert there as kind of the the older guy offering advice, who's pulled into one last run to see if the bandit can still can still do it. Well, now that he's passed, it really does seem like only a matter of time, right? The, the, the collapsing is... of culture. Like as soon as somebody passes, like Robin passed, and boom, it was time to make another Jumanji movie, right? Mm. So it does seem to be like as soon as the the key figure moves on. Uh, that that's kind of opens up the door for revisiting it or re- do like a re- retooling. Or, they really yeah. need like a Universal Pictures horror kind of thing. Son of Smokey, uh, uh, <laughs> the, son of the, the bandit, son of Smokey, son of the bandit. Son of Smokey. They really missed their opportunity with not turning Forrest Gump into a Smokey <laughs> and the Bandit sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Does Smokey Forrest's dad? Now that's interesting. That is this movie pauses highly <laughs> likely. Forrest isn't from Georgia though, right? Greenville, Alabama, Alabama, but not far, not far. Because he's true. in Savannah. Okay, does any living? <laughs> he's waiting on a woman. Is there a single living movie star that even comes close to Burt Reynolds' swagger? Not young. Not not. <laughs> I mean, it's George Clooney or no? Bust. No, the closest to his swagger in the world of sports is Muhammad Ali. I, I'm talking about contemporary, like currently. Yeah, yeah but that, no. that, I mean, as, as far as that, I don't think there's anybody's got a swagger like Any, anybody George in the 21st Clooney century. Clooney, yeah, maybe, yeah. It's a similar charisma, it can be, yeah, yeah. If you kind of fun loving and yeah, yeah. Matthew so, McConaughey, okay, you know, is yeah. probably yeah. The, the 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 real descendant of yeah. Reynolds or Southern guy charm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Smokey doesn't seem laid back. Smokey's cool under pressure. The, the bandit. Bandit. Yeah. yeah, that's true. He's kind of he's 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 kind of a trickster. He isn't quite laid back. Puckish. You're right. Yeah, pu- ooh, puckish. Puckish yeah. is a good adjective. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, well absolutely. Done. Thank is. you. I'm gonna clap myself on the back. Yeah, you yes, should. You should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've earned that. <laughs> but there's nobody. I mean, I know we we've been talking about like the the leading. You need man a Cheshire problem. cat. Do we have a Cheshire cat? That's there. You go. You need somebody with that smile. Mm-hmm. Somebody's kind of a trickster. Kind of. I guess. Yeah. I McConaughey's think this goes into a similar thing of. Uh, I saw it the other day, and I really was thinking about it. But somebody, you know, tweeted out, you know, uh, chemistry essentially just doesn't exist anymore. And I think that's a sideline of we don't have people who have that sort of charisma. Yeah, making movies anymore it doesn't seem like it's. I don't. Yeah, it's part of that, and I guess like there's just a intense lack of sexuality in most American films. Yeah, and that just like because of that they've sort of papered over like any sort of romantic charisma or uh, chemi- romantic chemistry. Because like Sally Field's character, that's doable. You get somebody to play Frog. I, I think there's, so. there's plenty of actors, yeah. working today that have that sort of charm, that that Absolutely. effortless charm. Absolutely, that, there's that something, she's got. Yeah, there's something very classical about that. I mean, it's a very screwball comedy setup. Totally, here. very. I mean, it very, happened one yeah, night. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. 
So it does have that. So, I mean, you have to have somebody that has that kind of machismo, but is also a trickster. Mm-hmm. I just, you, you, I need con- you need know. Country Cary Grant, whatever that is. Yes. You need Country Cary Grant. Maybe. I just, you know. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't think that there's anybody yeah, that can do uh, but it. But, I mean, if you do it today, I mean, there's a 70% chance Chris Pratt's opening this movie. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's not a knock on Chris Pratt, but that's who they would go to, and he's not that. He's not guy. That. No, he's not. Or yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm looking. I'm trying to look up like modern charismatic actors. Yeah, what well, Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I uh-huh. you know McConaughey feels really close, even though he's definitely too old. Yeah, at right? this point, at this now. point, he's definitely too old. But he he's, he's the right. only actor I can think of that's like even in the same ballpark. Yeah, playing the same game. Like, yeah, yeah. Pl- there you go, playing the same game. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah. Um, does anybody who's who's Jackie Gleason who who can be? I was like, th- I was trying bumbling, to think about that the other day. Bumbling like, cot Kevin James like. Yeah, it's not a bad call. Uh, you need an older, yeah, bumbling comedy guy. Yeah, you, you need yeah. who can just get really angry a lot. The second coming of Carol Eddie O'Connor, Pepe, Eddie Pepitone. It's <laughs> 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 a little too deep cut of a comedy guy. It's, it's Ray Romano. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, who's, we've all seen this movie before, right? Yeah. I have. I, I realized I had. I was wondering yeah. as I watched it if I, feel I had like this or not. Was probably watched several times is, as a child. It, I feel like this one dad probably watched a lot. Yeah, I think it was somewhere in my. I think my dad because everything watched was it. very familiar. But about this it. is the first time you'd watched it as an adult. Yes. So maybe you should go first. Okay, I will go first. Um, I think this movie is funny. I think it passes the six laugh test. I think uh, I care about the stakes. I think the idea of a road movie slash race beating the clock that sort of uh, standard way of writing screenplays in which the one way you build tension is you put deadlines in mm-hmm. uh, is very very effective in doing that I like the cat and mouse of it all I I think the villain is over the top and ridiculous it is really a long episode of the Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. if I'm going to be really yeah. honest yep. uh, about that in terms of what it's doing uh, thematically there are a number of words that come out of the mouth of Buford T. Justice that we will have to speak to later. But I we're do, just gonna have to talk about Buford T. Justice. We are gonna have to talk about but I would say this to the movie's defense. Um Buford T. Justice is ridiculous and we're supposed to hate we're, him. He's the villain. He is the villain. Yeah. And so bad guy saying bad guy saying bad things is it's something I always kind of give a pass in the movies. I'm I'm you know, you can be racist if you're the bad guy. Uh that's fine because that's a bad guy trait. Therefore you can do that. And so, so I, I'm I'll problematize this and in my review, but I, I'm kind of on board with what you're saying for the most. Generally part. speaking, Gen- generally I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, but I think that there's like there's, there's, there's a, some nuanced places there, and it can I get, get thorny. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know that we have enough from Snowman and the Bandit to lift it up. Although there are, there are gestures that direction, but I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure they quite get it all done. I'm thinking about Snowman's relationship with Lamar, for instance. Is he, Smokey or not Smokey? Uh, Snowman and Bandit are both kind of positioned as progressive for like their place and time mm-hmm. but yeah there's no like specific action they take that like aligns them against Buford T. Justice other, right other than in a breaking he, th- that they're breaking the law he happens to be John Law and they have to get away yeah. exactly yeah. so but yeah anyway uh, the, the the country music works for me, um, and I like car stunts. It's got car stunts. Uh, my dad had a chocolate Trans Am when I was a little boy, and uh, about the same make and model as this one. And so, I mean, I mean, little boy, little boy, like yeah. four or five years old, he had it for just a little while. And then an ex-wife dumped sugar in his gas tank. But that's another conversation for another time. You drive around in a Trans Am, you can't be being mean to people. Um, you know what? No. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's the end of that uh, with that whole issue. But uh, so a lot of nostalgia buttons there. Again, watching just 
I'm amazed at how 80s the 70s were. I remember thinking that so much as I was <laughs> okay. wa- how, as I was watching this movie. I thought, you know, really, truly, that whole cultural lag thing is a real thing because my 80s looked a lot like Burt Reynolds' 1970s. Well, that's because the country's 20 years behind everything else. Correct, correct. And I was just like, oh, yeah, well, checks out. So, uh, But no, it was a good time, good fun. Um, I, I won't say much more about it. Um, Sally Field for days. Sally Field for days. She's great. Um, and honestly, she's probably the... I mean, her, her and just... Reynolds is not Reynolds isn't acting I, I, no, so I he's I, playing I, Burt Reynolds I don't want to give him too much credit Reynolds no. is just being himself on camera and that is very watchable but um, Sally Fields is doing some work and mm-hmm. I really appreciate it I think mm-hmm. she's the powerhouse performer of the film is what I would want to say there. So yeah, liked it a lot. Um, I go next to you, Dalton, I suppose. Sure. I, I uh, discovered this movie as an adult. This isn't one I have any like childhood affection for. Uh, I remember in middle school, uh, talking to a kid specifically who was like, Oh yeah, that's the movie of 1977. Hmm. Smokey and the Bandit. And as a little star Wars kid, I of course was like, what, what are you talking? <laughs> what are you, what are you saying to me right now? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I, I was shown Smoking the Bandit by a friend of the show, Nick Sanford, uh, as an adult, and I did immediately take to it. I uh, This movie is just a live-action cartoon, and mm, I mean yes. it the best way. It is, it's Looney Tunes. It's Hal Needham is a legendary stuntman and channeled all that experience into making a Buck Wild car movie, and I think it really works. Um, that Black Trans Am is one of the coolest automobiles ever on film. It is unfortunate that it has the Georgia State flag on the front. No, oh, uh, And that's not the only unfortunate thing in this movie. And, and one of those other unfortunate things is is uh, Buford T. Justice, as Dustin already alluded to. I, I think the problem with Buford T. Justice, and we'll, we'll get more into this analysis probably, is he's frankly a little too evil to be as funny as he is. Because he is yeah. pretty funny. That's the problem. Like, the, the film positions him as the antagonist, and it positions him as a buffoon. I don't think that it necessarily views him as evil because he's being played by the beloved Jackie Gleason and uh, has whimsical tuba music following him that although much undercutting his menace, uh, it is very jovial and fun. So I I think that is kind of a problem with the movie. And it is something that, uh, as Dustin said, you know, there's some shit that comes out of his mouth that really is just kind of hard to deal with. Uh, and and I, I think that's probably fair of the whole movie itself. It's just got a handful of things that you're like, oh man, there, there's sort of a, an underlying, uh, uh, I I don't know that I want to go as far as to say, um, um, not masochism. Oh my God. Um, not machismo either, but good god masculinity no uh chauvinism jesus chauvinism. yeah there's, yeah, there's a little chauvinism going on in the film that like a little bit yeah, yeah it just like uh misogyny is actually the word mm-hmm. the word that i was thinking of it, it's it, misogynist yeah and it, it it's it's trying to be like cute and well-meaning but like it does just kind of like rub me the wrong way a few times and like make sally field a party to it in a few scenes and and so there's definitely some 1977 problems that really do make you roll your eyes at this movie and, and kind of take some of the joy out of it uh that said it is an incredible time at the movies uh we were uh i don't know how much of this arthur caught uh when he we went on hot mics but we were talking about there's a lot of good three-star movies out there and for me this is a three-star movie that is so good that it rises above and becomes a four-star movie out peak of sheer star exactly it's it's just peak middle of the road entertainment uh and a lot of that comes down to like 
the the wildness of the car stunts, this, the stuff that they managed to capture on film is just really truly incredible. They jump a cop car onto a, the the flatbed uh, semi, a moving semi. Yeah, they do a pit maneuver against a cop car with a semi. Like they, there's just all kind. They jump a Trans Am over a bridge and totally, clearly total it. Even in the shot where it lands, you're like, that car's dead. Then never, that car's never dead running again. Yeah, and it just, it's just such a fun time. And again, it's got an absolute banger soundtrack from Jerry Reed, who is like probably the funniest part of the movie is actually Jerry Reed as Snowman. Like everybody's mm-hmm. got a lot of good jokes, but for me, he's hands down the funniest character in the movie. And just you know, put down a bunch of it's almost a musical like it it fully has like multiple songs just about what the lead character is doing (laughs) and what his deal is westbound eastbound yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) the bandit the legend rides or whatever the other one's called yeah Uh, it's just a fun time at the movie so yeah i i am pretty much fully on board with this movie with with you know a couple of quibbles that are just you know Comedy ages like milk, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and this is a pretty clear sign of that. But Arthur, what about you? I know I read your Letterboxd review, and I know it gets a little repetitive for you. And honestly, yeah. on this watch, that was something that was hitting me that had never hit me before. That it is, it gets a little repetitive. Yeah, I think that's my big criticism of it. I, I think pros. I think it's fun. I think it's. A blast. I mean, everybody has a great energy, right? Yeah, everybody just seems to be having a blast doing this movie. Um, I, I think, you know, we probabilized justice or whatever, but I think uh, just the uh, complete lack of love and utter disdain that he has for his son. It's really good. It's such really a good, good bit. That is yeah, such like, a good bit. There is no chance you came from my lords. Uh, that, that whole thing is just so funny to me. Um, and, and as it really dawns on you, oh, she was going to marry him. Yeah. You know, like the, the mm. more you kind of realize, like that gets to settle i think on the audience's mind is makes it even funnier like what did he do that she was so taken with you know yeah and she kind of alludes to like how they met but i i think there's just something so clever about the, the writing of that joke uh jerry reed's great i love jerry reed uh, i'm a big fan of his music anyway and so to see you know him here he's uh, i think the crossover of of country music to acting has probably got the strongest genre to hollywood uh, ratio uh, your, your Jerry Reed, your, your Willie Nelsons, your uh, Chris Christophersons, uh, all all fared pretty well. Reba McIntyre, it's hip hop and country music. Yeah, yeah, uh, those are the two uh, running the race, uh, which is just really humorous to yeah. me. Um, but I think Jerry Reed's just a blast. He's got so many great little lines, and it is you mentioned that it's the delivery that he has that's so well. He's got a great timing. Uh, the the cars are cool. Uh, the trucks are cool. The the chases are cool. Uh, the way some of those uh, that, that semi's taking some of those turns and curves is terrifying and terrifying and nerve-wracking but yeah i think for me they start set pieces pretty big Mm -hmm. and so it's hard to really ramp up from there so there's a point where it's like okay here's the next thing and it doesn't feel that much more dramatic or intense because they've already done something big and dramatic intense and so i think that stuff is kind of hard to invest in for 90 minutes and Mm -hmm. i mean thankful that it is only 90 minutes but i think to your point it just does feel like a very extended dukes of hazard thing happening mm-hmm. uh but it, it's fun I, i'm glad i watched it i would watch it again uh right now probably if you wanted me to uh, I, you know it's it's, <laughs> it's just a good time fun. it's an easy watch mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of like uh just i don't know just comfort food i mean it, mm-hmm. it's southern comfort food in a film <laughs> it's exactly what it is somebody on letterboxd review was just southern comfort and i was like yeah that about covers it yeah that's yeah. fair i mean it, it's very familiar for me because just 
my background, it reminds me of my, the, the stories my dad would tell mm-hmm. of being a young buck who was, you know, causing issues with the, the, the cops and, you know, that, that whole thing and those kinds of stories and getting into bar fights. And just, mm-hmm. so there's that kind of familiarity with that uh, and just growing up in the South and, and being familiar with that part of the country. So that I think there's that kind of nostalgia mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but it, it just does feel kind of it's comforting. It, it's easy to watch. It's funny. Sally Field, great. Mm-hmm. Reynolds, great. Jerry Reed's great. Everybody's doing, uh, I, I think, uh, fun work and really just everybody seems to be having a ball. And I think that really helps. That that energy carries this because I think without that energy, it it really does fall apart in its repetitiveness. And apparently, a lot of improv going on from Gleason and from uh, yeah. which is unsurprising. Yeah. But I guess Sally Field and Reynolds are doing a lot of improv. Just, too. Yeah, probably just a lot of back and forth banter. Yeah, and just yeah. run with the thing. And I, I, I think, think that's cool. That energy helps. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. You've now brought up an interesting question, though. Uh, one I think that we should all talk about before we move on any further. What's your favorite set piece? There are a lot of them. Do you, do, do oh. any of you have a favorite car set piece? Car I think for me, set piece. I think for me. To, to get while you're burning your your, your wheels, uh, I love the shell game when all the truckers team up to hide the bandit oh, from the cops. When they, get, when yeah. they hide the convoy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a pretty good one. Oh, okay, that's, on the highway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is, is fun. The, the convoy shell game. That's good. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I don't know. I, I I like the jumps. I think I like the jump onto the football field more because I was say, it's, I think, it's just more ridiculous. Yeah. And Sally's driving. That's kind of where I was. I was thinking that that's one a good too. One. It's fun. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they're all so good, but I think for me, they they all just kind of blur together. That's fair to a point. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But uh, I do like that, and and any of those moments where it's like when the community is going to stand up and to you know when they go to the funeral, I think is a funny one. So good. What was the what, is the, it? Grave, the CB radio robber. Grave robber. Grave robber is such a good CB handle. Yeah, like that's a great bit, and they kind yeah. of they redo that again later uh, when they're on that country road, and they the people are at the. Yeah. drive in and they do something yeah. similar there yeah yeah but i yeah. think the funeral well, ones or whatever her name is yeah yeah uh i, I think that idea though the funeral that the, the so hearse good. driver's like you know we got it using the funeral procession yeah. to slow the cops and, down yeah and there's just something about the, the the visual of that cop car just continuing to fall apart through the movie <laughs> it's good it really, really funny really good. Uh, yeah so anyway all right, well, there you go. Those were our thoughts. Generally pro. We had a good time watching this movie. We're going to move on now to some actual proper analysis. And again, the spoilers are getting slightly stronger now. And we're going to call this little exercise Expanding the Syllabus. Uh, Arthur, would you like to explain to the dear listener what Expanding the Syllabus is all about? Yeah, sure. Uh, expanding the Syllabus is a thought experiment where we and we, the host, uh, the three of us here, we're going to assemble an academic course or maybe a module within a course uh, based around the assigned viewing, which for this week was Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, and then we're maybe talking about some adjacent texts or movies uh, that would pair with it to highlight themes uh, and it could be books and articles uh, to tangentially related films and stories very good very good thank you for that arthur do you have a syllabus prepared for us today i think so i think a lot about and we'll probably i mean we're gonna get into it later because it's already come up multiple times uh but i thought about the portrayal of the cop uh mm-hmm. here uh when i think about the stories my dad told of you know messing with police uh i i think buberty justice embodies what i always thought of when thinking about police the barney five yeah, the, the buffoon the butt of the joke who blew himself up kind of he thinks he's the cock of the walk but everybody else is going to take the air out of his attitude uh and, and for so long i feel like especially southern cops that was definitely the image portrayed part of that is i think part of the barney five thing which is really interesting and that would probably be where we would start maybe uh, is with Andy Griffith, because there you've got a dichotomy. You have Andy Griffith, who is very much a competent, I think, police officer 
and doing the best that he can uh, within the community. Uh, and then he's got Barney Fife, uh, mm-hmm. who can't even be trusted to keep a gun in his uh, bullet in his gun uh, for fear of shooting pocket. himself uh, <laughs> in the foot or, or something uh, asinine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and played to great last by Don Knotts. Uh, but I think that really did set the stage for the Southern police mm-hmm. image of the bumbling fool, uh, which is carried, I think, through this day. And we may jump ahead here to something like The Simpsons, where Chief Clancy Wiggum is very much still that stereotype, that, mm-hmm. that character type of the uh, incompetent buffoon. And how much of, I think, the way at least certain populations, at least, uh, viewed and were thought of uh, cops. Uh, from there, I might look at Maltese Falcon or The Big Sleep, but something where the police are... Not really the main focus, but there's kind of there in the background, and there is something haunting about their presence. Mm-hmm. And, and they're a bit agnostic, I think, in what they do, but there is something maybe still threatening, at least because they're threatening to the way of life of our protagonist. Well, the, yeah, Why the aren't we going kind of to plays the police? Both sides of the law in those movies, too. Yeah. yeah. And it is the idea of, you know, the police obviously can't get this job done or for some reason we don't want to go to the police. So we're going to bring in this third party who is Humphrey Bogart to, to, to solve the crime. And that kind of maybe the, the noir protagonist, maybe an ex cop in some way or an ex detective. I think of who framed Roger rabbit here mm-hmm. uh, where valiant is an ex cop. Uh, and so I think that kind of conflict within the law, especially in that forties period where things were starting to, you know, there was a lot of unrest, I think, with the government and with that kind of politic. Uh, we'd probably go there. Uh, we'd probably jump ahead to 1967 um, because we talk about In the Heat of the Night, mm. uh, which you know is 10 years prior to this. But we've, we've very much got uh, that Southern cop in, the fo- in, in that film who's playing against... Um, Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. And uh, Mr. Tibb, you know, uh, Detective Tibbs. And I think there we've got another very for his era competent cop within that neighborhood. So I, I think there we're seeing this kind of maybe, I think part of the new Hollywood, this grittier, more realistic cop, mm-hmm. but still, you know, at conflict with a more progressive world uh, that's represented by Tibbs there. Well, and I think you, that's a really interesting place to go because I think Tibbs like brings in the, the start of maybe, maybe the start of the, the trope of like the, the black cop who is like trying to enforce like a more progressive justice in a system that does yeah. not actually support the way they police. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so from there I would probably jump into, I want to go to the eighties uh, and I think I want to go to witness mm. uh, here because we have a, a cop who is, I feel like reflective of the period of, of wanting to go above and beyond to serve and protect, mm. uh, even by uprooting his life to be able to go into this community to protect his witness mm. and that kind of uh, deeply rooted holding of the oath uh, that they've sworn to their community and to what they do in upholding the rule uh, of the law. Uh, from there, we'd probably go to The Fugitive and take us into the 90s. Mm-hmm. Just, a, uh, double, Ford just again. a double dose of Harrison, maybe. Uh, but yeah. I'm only Tommy Lee Jones. And again, I think a more agnostic cop. Yeah, I don't because, care. Yeah, I Hi- don't hyper care. Hyper competent, but yeah, not He's like, really. You broke the law. I've got to bring you in. There's there you no. Uh, there's just something very agnostic. This is a Tuesday for me. Yeah. yeah you I'm don't, tired. You don't run away from prison. Just yeah. get in the car. Yeah. And, you're a con. 
I'm a marshal. This is the job. Yeah, and yeah. this very tired parentness of <laughs> of that character. I'm just I don't care. I'm anymore. not involved in an investigation. <laughs> I don't even care. Yeah, I'm just here to re- like. I, I think there's just something really interesting in that portrayal there, and mm. and Jones is so good at it. Uh, and then we'd probably jump into uh, the 2000s and uh, look at I think Training Day and The Departed, and look at ideas and portrayals of the crooked cop mm-hmm. in the modern era. And what that looks like. And I think all the while trying to have this discourse of how society views, has viewed, continues to view the police and how that is informed by the media. I mean, because, I mean, from the early days of TV with Andy Griffith, I mean, we have been inundated with cop shows in some form or fashion, from fictional to reality to hyper, you know, whatever cops is. You know, and then into just now, there's probably at least two cop shows on. Yeah, just network TV. I'm sure, maybe more. I don't know. Right, uh, Chicago now. PD is yeah. right, right now. Right two, now, right right now at this very moment, two different cop shows are showing on a major network. Yeah, yeah I agree. You know, but so I mean, we are so inundated with that. Yeah. Like I don't know of any other profession, maybe other than doctor. Yeah, that is as commonly seen and known mm-hmm. on media as the police. And I think there's just something really interesting to track how we view it how we've always viewed it, how we continue to view it and how that shifts with the media and how the media reflects that. Despite all their differences, there is a straight through line from dragnet to the wire. Yeah. Right. Like even though they're totally different purposes in in both shows. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's probably where we'd go with it though. Sounds good. Sounds good. What does your syllabus look like Dalton? I like that a lot, Arthur. Uh, My, my syllabus is probably not going to be a film studies class. This is probably going to be uh, a, uh, you know, sociology or an anthropology class, uh, going to be focused on subcultures, and, and we would definitely use a lot of media that looks at hidden worlds and subcultures, and, and use that. You know, we we'd look at some documentaries, look at the Penelope Spheres, the decline of Western civilization films, probably. probably. Uh, we look at like you know some histories of of this counterculture movement in the U.S. and, and throughout the world. Uh, but we'd also look at films like Easy Rider. Speaking of you know mm-hmm. early '60s counterculture, uh, but I think we could also look at something like Hackers from the '90s, which is you know very silly, but also kind of lets us look at. Uh, internet uh, subcultures as uh, kind of a fun way into that world. I think Smokey and the Bandit's great for it. It's, you know, both CB culture and trucker culture and, and it, you know, setting up this world in which truckers are celebrities, which I just think is really fun. That and is fun. which of course brings us to my, my beloved roadhouse, the, the film where bouncers and bar musicians are huge celebrities, mm-hmm. which is a world that I want to live in, uh, <laughs> frankly. Uh, we'd also look at uh, Cocktail and Coyote Ugly, another two bar culture movies. Mm. I think those would be useful for for our purposes. And then while we're in the service industry, we'd look at uh, the new TV show from FX, The Bear, mm. uh, which is you know really kind of focused on these little idiosyncratic uh, representations of the restaurant industry. It's things like uh, you know the chef drinking uh, water out of a to-go container. Things like that, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of those kind of little touches. I, this, I think it's a great TV show, uh, really, really interesting human, piece of human drama and comedy. Uh, but uh, the, the ways in which it tries to immerse you in the world of, of restaurants, I think, is, is really effective. But I, I think all of these uh, would give us the opportunity to, to, to just, again, look at how subcultures develop, how they evolve. We, we'd look at kind of the start of the study of subcultures, you know, the, the Chicago school from like the 1880s, which 
you know, we're not going to spend too much time on that because sort of the origin of studying subcultures was the studying them as deviant, right? As against cultural norms and as, uh, as something that is abnormal and again, deviant from what it should be expected of people. So we'd, we'd obviously touch on that. That's how people first started uh, studying the idea of subcultures, but I think we'd then move into kind of a much more like embracing view of, no, there's a function to sub, it exists to show an outgrowth of what's, uh, it's a symptom of a, a larger issues within cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what all of these allow us to look at is like, how do the creations and the uh, maintenances, maintainings of these subcultures, what do they say about larger society? Again, I think a lot there, and I think each of these different films gives us a different world to look in. Um, another one that I thought of, uh, I don't know if you, either of you watched the show, the, the HBO Max show Hacks, which it was almost certainly on the chopping block based on all the things going on over at uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. I don't think they'll be giving uh, this show a third season, but it's about uh, uh, Gene Smart uh, playing a, I don't know, kind of a Joan Rivers type. She's like the, the most famous female stand-up comedian, basically, is who Gene Smart is playing. And uh, she brings on this young comedy writer to work with her. And it's a it's really fun uh, half-hour uh, sitcom. But uh, I think it is, is kind of a fun look into the world of stand-up, especially women in stand-up, which is a, a pretty tough subculture to be a part of, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, uh, all of these, uh, that was just a, a fun one that I forgot to mention. But I think all of these kind of give us different windows into different worlds. And I, I think Smokey and the Bandit is a, is a fun one to look at. I, I think it's probably the most removed from reality of all of these. I think It and Hackers are probably the two that are the yeah. most. I think there's even a universe where roadhouse i buy that there's a bouncer that's a celebrity i buy bar musicians that have a following i don't know that i buy that people like go to big truck rodeos i don't know if that's a real thing that happened in the <laughs> 70s i want to believe but i don't know that it's true it's fair dustin how would you teach Smokey and the bandit so i think i would teach Smokey and the bandit in a imaginary course that i would like to write up uh for my course catalog that would be a rotating list of movies and i would call the course micro genres Okay. And that way, any given 16-week period, I just have to come up with enough movies in these sort of, like, micro, very, very specific kind you of You've got niche. four movies that are kind of similar. you got a micro genre. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so, and, and whatever that semester happened to be, those would be the movies. And the next semester, I would use a completely different slate, a completely different set of micro genres. But the micro genre in question, obviously, is the trucker movie. Yeah. I mean, why not? Smoking the Bandit is definitely a trucker movie. Oh, you're going to guess mine in it. Look at you. Smoking the Bandit. All right, go. Over the top. Okay. Right, and that's a, that's the arm wrestling movie. That's the arm wrestling trucker movie. Oh, I guess he is a trucker too. He's a trucker. Okay, those are literally the only two I can think of. Black well, dog, black dog, black dog. Oh, okay. goes you mentioned on the list. black dog. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, wizard or sorcerer. Sorcerer. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorcerer with freaking. Yeah. I mean, I think I like Clouseau's Wages of Fear better. Okay, but, which is the original, which right? is the original from France. Um, but that that's that's an example. So Clouseau's Wages of Fear is kind of where oh, I would joyride. Oh, this. Joyride! But yeah! Guys, you're missing the biggie on the iCharts. What? Steven Spielberg's debut, Duel. Oh, duh, of course. We gotta, you know, and think about the making of a... is that the biggie? It, it's, it's, an, it's like on the it's second... It's on the third or fourth line, probably. Yeah, it's pretty close Smoky to the top. the Bandit's smoke- the biggie on the iCharts. <laughs> <show. laughs> okay, that, that's fair. Uh, but also, Breakdown is a film that I'd want to use, starring Kurt Russell, uh, which is a remake oh, of the Big Dutch Trouble. film The Vanishing. Big Trouble's got some truck driver bits to it, but it's a kung fu movie. He is a truck driver. He, he is a truck driver. He, the Pork Drop Express is absolutely a pickup, or not a pickup, a big rig. But, no, I, I think... The, kung fu movie over trucker movie. I, I think you. so. And 
the same reason why I would not go ahead and do Aliens. Mm. Or Alien, excuse me. Which uh, is a... Space Truckers. Space yeah. Truckers, right. So my, my list would be, again, uh, Clouseau's uh, Wages of Fear, Duel from uh, mm. Steven Spielberg, then Smokey and the Bandit, then Black Dog, and then uh, Breakdown. The Black Dog's a Patrick Swayze movie. Patrick Swayze, I, I just became aware of this when uh, we were doing some talk in our chat with Arthur. Arthur brought this movie up, and I'd never heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, he has a good a lot of good jokes. He's got like a sort of a newbie who doesn't know much about truck driving, and they hit a bump at one point. He goes, what was that? He goes, oh, it's a Mazda. It's him, Meatloaf, and Randy Travis. Yep. yep. What a cast! <laughs> it's, 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 Double it's, musicians opposite I'm Swayze? You. I'm telling you. Wow. It's, it's worth your time. Wow. And so you can talk about the interface, though, of culture, because there is sort of a southernisms that goes into this, the ways in which uh, we could think about just driving experience in car culture, mm-hmm. and the idea of the big rig is kind of, uh, by nature, because of size, something of an antagonist. Mm. And so there, there's something going on there. Just the idea of building suspense with truck driving movies, with Clouseau's uh, Wages of Fear being a great example of that. And then um, finally, thinking about uh, Breakdown, which is, again, a remake of this uh, Buried Alive movie, really. But the villain is a truck driver. And there are several scenes, especially in Breakdown, the Kurt Russell version, in which uh, his little Jeep is being chased by um, the truck. And so there's a lot of that going there on. There are a lot of being tru- chased by a trucker movies. There, yes, a lot. I, I'm trying to think. Maximum Overdrive, doesn't that have a truck? Yeah. yeah I haven't I seen the movie. Really yeah, it's that's a Stephen King. Yeah. Or Stephen Clive King. Bar- Stephen King? Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. So it's this cocaine movie. Is, oh, well, okay. Well, then maybe I ought to put it on. I I know people who like it. I've seen parts of it. I remember watching parts of it as a kid. There's a soda machine that shoots cans at somebody. When you said you knew people who liked it, I didn't know if you meant cocaine or the movie at first. But it, it took me a while. <laughs> <laughs> took, I, know, it, I know more people who like Maximum Overdrive, <laughs> who like but cocaine. I do know people who like cocaine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, with... <laughs> With that note, we we are going off the off-ramp, off the rails. Uh, I think now might be time to get down to business. Talking about cocaine. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. That. <laughs> you stole my joke. I was going there, and we're gonna do big rails of Smokey and the Bandit. Oh man, <laughs> we are. We're gonna do huge rails of analysis. Oh uh, man. <laughs> so trucker movies. Uh, we already kind of talked about uh-huh. it. Why? Why are they? Is it because in the Northeast they're called Teamsters? Why? Why are trucker movies a Southern thing? Inherently why? Southern. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Something that be, well, feels I mean, so just Southern. Just a good old boy it. in a flannel. It's in the yeah. Southwest in Breakdown. Yeah. And it's okay. also the Southwest in Duel. Yeah. I mean, just, you Is know. it one of those things? Is it a chicken and egg thing? Or is it like Smokey and the Bandit made it a Southern thing? That might be You know it. what I mean? Yeah. There's something to that, I think. And I think there's also, I mean, obviously you get out of the Northwest, East, and I mean, the stretches are, are much different. Like, I don't know that, you know, driving a truck in the city is probably culturally a little different, but also you're not probably out for... Yeah, long, a week range, at a time, long you know. range over the road trucking yeah. does seem to be more of a southern phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, I, I had a friend Midwest who's... too, I guess. Yeah, Midwest. I, yeah. I, I think it developed now. I think since the seventies to the eighties, it, it is the interstate systems themselves have become a lot more uh, efficient yeah. ways of moving goods, and so yeah. we have a lot of you know truck drivers from Brooklyn. I'm, I'm sure are not rare. Yeah, 
But you know, it definitely does feel like it probably obviously started on a coastal thing to ship goods, but then mm-hmm. the manufacturing moved Midwest. Then obviously your trucks had to move Midwest for distribution purposes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. There is something inherently Southern. And I think even a lot of the portrayal in media since at least the 70s and Smokey and the Bandit is primarily Southern or at least rural or country. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm that's thinking what of Big is. Sky yeah. on uh, was ABC, I think, that did Big I'm Sky. Vaguely, this kind of, I've heard of it. There's like a trucker on the loose who's kidnapping and possibly killing people right mm. uh but that that takes place in the kind of the the northern midwest mid i guess midwest yeah. uh, in montana right and so um, like the northern but there's west, still yeah. something very you know obviously wyoming montana are still very rural and i wouldn't I don't, not southern but very country i yeah, think rural, very right. still conservative politics i believe well, i think you're getting at something though that like southern is just like a quick coding for rural in in the yeah. united states right right coding it as southern u.s like automatically code something as rural working class conservative like it, it's a good shorthand usually. And, and long stretches of between places yeah, I, I think that's that, that that's that's really sort of narratively where all these sort of trucker movies kind of find themselves is where are we when we are not anywhere yet? We're mm-hmm. just on the way to different places. And so that essential space of the road movie, because other road movies, I mean, I think about like about Schmidt with uh, Jack Nicholson and there's a number of sideways and uh, those kind of road movies the, 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 mm-hmm. those movies mostly take place at the destinations at the stops. Yeah. Right, but yeah. the trucker movies, the, all the event takes place. You know, you're not in Texarkana, you're not in Mobile or wherever they're going. Yeah. Georgia, they're on the road. They're yeah. going to Atlanta. They're going to Atlanta. Uh, their boys are thirsty in Atlanta. Uh, that, uh, yeah. There's beer in Texarkana, there I, and they're going to do what they say can't be done. <laughs> Dustin, they were eastbound and down. They were loaded up and trucking. <laughs> He's just going to wait for you to. Be I think there's also something about the cultural build around trucking because. Uh, the idea of truck stops and diners mm. and the yeah. Waffle House. Choke a puke. Choke a pukes. <laughs> Iron skillet. Yeah. Yeah. The pilots. Sure. And Flying Jays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like these things that are even like stuff that's not as you know common anymore, like the suckies, which feels very much like part of like a 70s mm-hmm. era as well, I think, in 80s. Well, and there is a general sort of cinematic rule about uh, exposing uh, the audience, a broader audience, to a insular culture that has its own language and different mm-hmm. sets of behaviors and rules and sort of, you know, and, and the ways in which bikers don't like truckers. That would be new information for a lot of people, I mm-hmm. would assume. Uh, when they have that encounter there at the end uh, with between uh, Jerry Reed and whoever it is that makes up that biker gang. Weird, weird scene. The it whole thing is a weird slows scene. the movie down. But I mean, you know, the, the idea of CB, you know, lingo. I mean, I, I'm aware that um, the uh, trucker code word for a sex worker is a lizard. Lot lizards. Lot lizards. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, so, I mean, that kind of stuff is the kind of yeah. uh, fun trivia factoidness that a lot of movies trade on, uh, narratively speaking. Mm-hmm. That the part of the interest is that you're going to learn. Okay, here's all the here's the internet hacker speak. Yeah, and so I love to learn jargon in a movie. Yeah, one of one of my many movie pleasures. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and it's great. Uh, and I think that's that's part of the exploit the exploitability of these kind of. I don't I don't think they're really. I mean, I don't think this is like red exploitation. You know, in that sense, not fully Gator. No, no, not Gator. Yeah. No, yeah. or or the Hills Have Eyes or, or Deliverance or yeah. Deliverance. Yeah. yeah. But it does have this sort of idea of I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this world and I'm gonna do a big fun silly comedy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with it. And that there's a narrative pleasure to that. Well, it's that thing that I think Soderbergh kind of got really good at in picking these sort of people who had backgrounds in very niche fields, the uh, Gina Carino or Channing Tatum mm-hmm. or Sasha Gray, mm-hmm. and doing films kind of based around 
their experience, like to be able to introduce you to a new world. I think mm. there is something very mm-hmm. interesting narratively. What's it like to dance for a living? What's it like to do sex for a living? Yeah. What's it like to punch people for a living? Yeah. yeah. Like what? And that's, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like when you get down to the brass tacks of what is it like to do why profession? Like there are stories to be told. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for the, um, the oil roughneck movie. You know, I mean, there have been some. Yeah, there's deep part of Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but that's that. Disaster I, movies. You're disaster looking for movies. something that's just about the day in, day out. Or even like Stillwater. You know, the roughneck goes to Europe to yeah. take in some people or something. To, to, well, and, and <laughs> or, learns about the joys of living in France. Yeah. <laughs> I, we got to talk about that movie I on the show. I need to watch it. We, we're just going to do that on the show. We should. Tom yeah. McCarthy's a little too artsy-fartsy for us, but like... Stillwater is not. That's in our fucking <laughs> bucket. Yeah, man. Exactly. But, you know, there, there, there ought to be that movie. I mean, there's a movie with drillers in it. You know, that the, the stupid... Um, the Grey has got drillers mm-hmm, right sure. in it. And then uh, there's a Steven Seagal movie that does that kind of thing. But that that's that's a culture that I know and I'm is aware of. Is there a of. way... I'm just kind of curious, because you're right. I mean, especially for us in, this, in the Oklahoma, I mean, that's such a large part of life. And we probably all know people who have... You you know, worked on the field for two weeks on a week off or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, Dalton mentioned you know, a lot of times it is when those things happen, it is like a disaster movie because yeah. they've been drilling, right. which has led to whatever. What wh- I mean, what does the oil rigger movie look like? The oil driller movie look like? Is it a it's like, a like a comedy or is, think, or is it just a straight drama type of thing? I think or? it'd be funny. I mean, you could do both. Yeah. I mean, it depends. But I, or, I, I think it would be sort of like how do you negotiate seven days on, seven the days progressive off? Progressive got left off, laid off, and so he has to go find work in the only place he doesn't want to go is the oil field. Well, that's definitely the like sick comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the sick version for sure. Because right. that's the only that's place it's That's vengeance. That's the BJ Novak version. Vengeance. I've seen that movie. How is it? He drives his Chevy Volt up to the. I want you to see it so bad because I need to talk about the ending of that movie yeah i saw you talking about because uh, i'm wild. so I'm, fascinated I, I don't know it's I a know. it's a big it's, august for movies about podcasts. fascinating movie i I, yeah. I'm, I just need to talk about people talk about it with people who would talk about it with me I'm, I'm so seeing the movie that you were constructing in my mind i'm seeing michael cross driving up to the uh, lot of the drill who's michael cross uh, michael cross is the guy with the glasses he's the well he's in men in black he's the uh he's the uh what David Cross? David oh. Cross. David Cross. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Michael Cross works for the um, NPR station. Yeah, he works at for KOSU. State. I yeah. was yeah. wondering if that's who you were so thinking still of. still fitting. The, yeah. But David Cross pulls up in a Chevy Volt. In, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. That, yeah. that's, that, that is a comedy that's there. That's not what I had it's in mind. It's, it's, it's just an extension of Job going to work on the with the contractors <laughs> and Arrested Development. <laughs> I mean, there's a Breaking Bad movie in there, too, where you're trying to sort of juggling that life yeah. and also mm-hmm. the uh, illicit substances that are traded on those yeah. you know in those locations sure. so anyway the those that but just just talking about it that sounds really interesting to an audience who doesn't know Excuse the me, stuff I'm gonna go write a movie yeah that's right let's go make a screenplay <laughs> right, real write quick. the roughneck movie yeah oh, that's what we call it roughneck um anyway uh that is an idea that I think cinema always plays on. I mean, you could even look at something like classic like Jaws, and mm-hmm. you learn all of these sort of oceanographer, you know, sort of wildlife yeah. biologists or, or marine biologists mm-hmm. kind of talk and just concepts. The the there's a there's a pleasure in that educational portion of it, and I think that's part of what works so well for Smoking the Band is you're learning about that particular part sure. of the culture. You're not really learning about Southerners or Southernese. It, it seems to be again less interested in that as you might have in say a Deliverance. Or uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which you're not learning about them, but you're definitely exploiting 
certain anxieties um, about those particular communities. Now, turning uh, the swear phrase son of a bitch into one word is about the only Southernism that this film uh, has on display, which is apparently something Gleason picked up from Burt Reynolds talking about his father. Who's That's funny. Burt Reynolds' dad was a smoky. Didn't oh, know yeah? That. Yeah, which I guess kind of makes sense. Do you guys also hate that the movie's called Smokey and the Bandit because all the time I'm thinking Smokey's one of our characters that we like? Yeah. Not, not the villain and yeah. Burt Reynolds. I'm thinking, I was watching it like five minutes and I'm like, oh, duh. Right, Smokey, bad guy, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Why didn't he get the title credit over here? Smokey the Bear. Snowman and the Bandit. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't yeah. flow. doesn't no. flow. Smokey that, and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit that, just to, sounds better. To this yeah. target audience, they all knew. <laughs> yeah. They all knew what it meant. Yeah, absolutely. So totally. I have no question or concern about it. Well, let's... This is an interesting place to pivot, I think. Uh, to Smokey? To Smokies, sort of. We'll, we'll take a brief stop at The Bandit, though, because mm. it is as much an outlaw movie as it is a trucker movie. And we, we've kind of talked about the southernness of this movie, and there is... I don't know, man. What Was it 9-11? What happened to make the South like cops? Because the, the South is like decidedly anti-law enforcement for a long time i uh i often think in culture and this least. is probably the most political i'll ever get on this podcast <laughs> i often think that uh i am very thankful that my dad died uh before i ever saw him put a thin blue lives matter <laughs> sticker on his truck <laughs> yeah my dad raised me with a healthy distaste for the cops yeah <laughs> he grew up in the 50s in louise deep louisiana yeah uh all the tales about cops uh were negative correct um and so like again the, this idea of buford justice is yeah. the picture i've always had of cops this he's he's cocky he's arrogant he's brash you know very like my dad had evidence. other terms he would use for them <laughs> mm-hmm. but there is something about you're, you're right that uh, there was a turning point uh when I, I i fear that two years ago my dad would have put a Blue Lives Matter sticker on his window. Well, or, that uh, brings is it is it the fight for civil rights that is actually what, what makes really the South irrit- go pro cop, and that might that, it might be that more than it 9/11. might be that more than yeah. I do remember my dad being very similar to your dad. I bought a pickup when I was seventeen, mm-hmm. uh, used, and mm-hmm. somebody had a uh, you know support your local sheriff kind of sticker, yeah. some kind of star in the back window. The, the proto uh, thin blue line, right? Bumper sticker. Well, it was like it was like you know a cop fundraiser sticker yeah. or whatever you buy. You yeah. know, it's like trooper booster. Yeah, I know kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, I hadn't thought about it. I'd have, I'd have had the car for months and hadn't seen my dad in quite a while. And he happened to come by one day, pulled in behind my pickup, and I heard a blue streak about that bleepity bleep <laughs> star in the back window of Let's no go. son of mine. Yeah. Like, yeah. lost his mind about it. He was. I. I. I heard all about that. And I'm saying, I'm like, Dad, I got a razor blade. I can fix it. I just. Oh, I didn't give me care. Yeah. You know, I just didn't even. Honestly, I saw it. I think the day I bought it, and I haven't seen it with my eyes since. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you've thought so little about it your was hatred for any bit equally those clear decals. You know, it's meant nothing to you. Meant nothing to me at all. Yeah. Didn't didn't care one fig. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's fun so story. Well, I think, uh, and go back to my syllabus because I think that's the thing to explore: is when did when, when does a shift? Yeah, because I think it yeah. is fascinating because mm-hmm. I know the, how the South is, mm-hmm. and they are not pro law, pro cop. I uh, know my grandparents. Yeah, but I, there is been this fascinating, and I, I think mean, it yeah. is a you know political alignment mm-hmm. you know thing, and I think. Mm-hmm. 
Well, but there's yeah. a Venn diagram of where my loyalties are going to go. Mm-hmm. Is it to me, my independence, doing what I want, and someone not telling me what to do? That's a high value. But also making sure that um, we don't the irony extend of, rights to certain other populations. The irony of people wearing uh, Don't Tread on Me posters and carrying Punisher Thin Blue Line symbols is oddly... The cognitive dissonance sure doesn't seem to register <laughs> for a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, X does not to, equal... Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't mean to talk shit as much as i do like to do it but it is <laughs> it sure doesn't make a lick of sense yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know it uh, is a fascinating we, i guess which brings us to the bandit and snowman who like are working class fixtures of their community who are like uh, you know rainbow coalition figures of of uh, uh, defiance against authority it's such a bizarre uh i don't know there's just nothing like this movie to me they seem to me like the southern kids who didn't stay home is what they seem like to me that there there's a different kind there's two kinds of sort of rural southern kid there's the rural southern kid who works at his dad's gas station yeah. mm-hmm. or uh, got a job at the you know local you know feed plant or mm-hmm. whatever and they, they and so they, they they may have they may have done a different industry than their parents but they didn't go far from home yeah. mm-hmm. and then there are the ones who continue to work in rural communities but they're teachers or they are uh, truck drivers or they are uh, for whatever reason they uh, traveled for their work yeah. And they spent some time in a few other places gotcha. and just saw that there that there's there's a, a bigger world. There's a, there, well, there's a mental exercise going. You know, every the way we do it is not the only way people do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here they have grits, and here they you know here they put sugar in their grits, which is blasphemy. Or here they do whatever you know. As the bandit says, uh, however, what is I forget the exact line, but something to the effect of uh, it's where you're standing in the United States uh, depends on how dumb you are or something. Right. Like yeah. What you know and it correlates to how dumb you are depending on where you are. I think it's a very uh, kind of astute observation about the the ways that like cultural differences can be registered as a lack of intelligence. And I think Bandit and Snowman are guys who have been on the road a little bit. Yeah, and so literally, the, and yeah. the, therefore they, they they have they're the kind of people who have met a gay man or have mm-hmm. met a you know a, a drag queen yeah. or have met you know numbers of people of you know who are African American. And so they they just they have a bit more of a pool of experience. And so those sort of standard uh, built in sort of cultural assumptions mm-hmm. just don't come to them uh, because they just they, they, they know a little bit more. If that makes sense. No, I think that's a, that's like a fair, you know, obviously we're, we're having to do a little bit of guessing about these characters because it's sure. not a character study. But right. I, I think that that's kind of like a fair assessment of like why they are the way they are, because obviously Buford is uh, surprised, let's say, to meet another sheriff who's uh, not white. Uh, I was surprised to in see the progressive that, state of Arkansas. Uh, yeah, when that man said he was a sheriff in South Arkansas, and I said, "Really?" That was the in this movie of there are in towns in South Arkansas that are majority African American, yeah, yeah. but there are no counties. Yeah, in which I mean, I don't. I I, I was surprised the movie's choice there as well. So again, it's just an opportunity to, to like show Buford to be evil right again. But like it is probably one of the moments that like makes him too evil to be as funny as he is. Right. It, it is too evil, except for he I mean, he's able to deliver these lines like, oh, from your voice on the radio, you I thought taller. you were taller. <laughs> and it's a pretty good laugh line. Like it's yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Like Jackie Gleason sells the shit. He's really funny, which again is like the problem of Buford T. Justice right. as a character. He is. 
Probably a dude that's murdered somebody. Yeah, it seems like, that way. Has yeah. used his badge to kill someone. Yeah, almost certainly. In in a, in a real life, in a non cartoon movie. Yes. Yeah. If, if if in the gritty reboot of Smokey and the Bandit, yeah, he has bodies on him. Yeah. But in the in the same sense, he does kind of say the quiet part loud. Yeah. When he he's talking about why Sally Field has decided not to go through with this wedding and it's embarrassing and you know not respecting me and my authority and yeah. and and my family and the, the church and it's obviously commie you know infiltration whatever and and then that that's that's the thing you know you wouldn't get someone to say that even in the 70s you wouldn't no. get someone to say that out loud but that's kind of what they're thinking mm-hmm. that this is if you let someone say nope i'm not going to get married after all and i don't care what any of you people think deuces that's just the next step to communism well i think that's the weird thing about the flattening of cultures you would get somebody to say that now in yeah, 2022 well, you're not wrong you i'm i know i'm not wrong <laughs> no, i've seen people a, wearing that shirt I, I in a, public i had a co-worker <laughs> try to tell me about a fucking youtube documentary about public school indoctrination because we were joking about kids not being able to read to kill a mockingbird anymore mm-hmm. and it's just like oh okay so so to kill a mockingbird is anti-god now that's where we've gotten cool awesome I, I love culture. It's awesome. I love to to think about and analyze movies and and what people watch. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's bananas, Dustin. I can't disagree with you at all. I, <laughs> it was just one of the weird. It was just like an offhand comment. You should check out this documentary. And I was like, I will. As a matter of fact, and I went looking and was distraught nope. <laughs> what i saw like no run away i had a feeling that this is what it would be about and yeah it it's something. just a youtube documentary about how public schools hate god yeah. right yeah just, uh, yeah sure okay whatever but Mine. that's that's where we're at right like anything that is in opposition to the so-called silent majority if we want to use 80s terminology mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but anything that is op- in opposition to that is is godless and communist and right it is like a weird flattening of the culture you know usually when we're talking about the flattening of culture we're talking about reboot culture but right now it is like people's argumentative literacy is diminished and it right. has become a caricature of itself it has turned into Buford T. Justice yeah that's kind of a bummer it, it, I, it really is people used to be smarter about the ways they were dumb yeah because women's live is not communism that there's not, no. it's not it's not the same thing you no. know which is kind of what it seems like he's starting to rail against sure before he gets to talking about a, you know a particular sort of economic system which honestly when people are talking about communism they're not talking about communism they're talking about authoritarianism yes which can be communist or capitalist mm-hmm. you know and totally bad in either case that's just not good yeah no but, authoritarianism is bad you're not gonna I'm not a tanky you're not gonna hear me uh, make an excuses for the Khmer Rouge. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. The gulag was bad. Yeah. Um, no doubt. So, uh, right. What other, um, let's talk about gender. We need to at least uh, give some, some airtime to that very, very, you know, crucial issue. Yeah, it makes film. Sally Field laugh at some dumb jokes, right? Like, yeah. uh, what is it? Uh, he's, uh, Hot Lips says she's ready and wi- ready and willing, uh, when it comes to like their, their plan to stop the police chase. Mm-hmm. And he looks over at Sally Field and is like, she always was. She always was. <laughs> And, and she just smiles it off. It's just like, I don't know. Everything you've told me about the Sally Field character is she's probably not going to think it's that funny that Bandit's joking about other women he's fooled around with. Like, right. She might think it's a little funny, but I don't know that she's going to laugh at it multiple well, times. She, she gives him an eye when he's talking to uh, Hot Pants or whatever she does. that character's called name is. Yeah. I think it's Hot Pants. It's yeah. Hot Pants the and there's the Foxy. Diner. There's two different. Right. Yeah. But then this also has an entire set piece about. Uh, Tricking justice into thinking another cop is a bandit <laughs> at a, at a roadside <laughs> brothel. Sex workers. 
very fun. <laughs> the brothel trailer's so good. And of course, they also have a TV radio. <laughs> and it's pe- it's Pepto-Bismol pink. I just, I, I, I love everything about that design. And that's the thing that's unfortunate, because there are things about this that are like, like, again, very un... Uh, what's I doesn't have a value judgment against sex work, right? There's mm-hmm. like things about this movie that are sort of like weirdly progressive, but then again, it's just, you know, the bandit is supposed to be our hero and, and like, it's just kind of gross about women sometimes. Yeah. Well, and, and the camera's ogling, you know, Sally Field bending over more than, totally. you know. A couple of times. Yeah, the male gaze is definitely on display there. And, you know, and stuff Snowman says, you know, about, man, you, you know, how, you don't talk like that in front of somebody. No. You know, that's that's not okay. Nice ass. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. The, thanks, Which yeah. is like, it's, it's a cute exchange between the three of them, but it, it does feel like, I don't know, that's, I mean, that's probably, an, honestly, it is kind of a true it's a very depiction. 70s thing. It's very 70s. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And maybe this is the period of uh, men slapping waitresses on the butt. This is a good point. Babe, are... Shug. Yeah. You know. This is some real 2022 eyes stuff. Yeah. You're right. That's fair. But still, I mean, it. You know, it, I guess it is what it is. It, I, was, it was bad then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to talk about Jerry Reed lastly. Uh, I wanted to mention this because I was thinking about it a lot. There is this sort of performative nature to his... Um, what, if, what, if, what I don't even know what I'd call it. his particular version of Hayseed, uh, is, is what I want to say. The you know, uh, me and old Fred are over here, and I'm worried he's gonna dry up and blow away. You know, the and then the way he talks, it's almost like the way it, it's it, you're, I know exactly what you're talking about, but it's even weirder because it's like it, it's almost like it activates when he gets behind the wheel of the truck, right? It's like as soon as he, he gets on, on the road, the he becomes the snowman, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, it's a character he wears, and then which is really interesting because I have met people that when you meet them, they put this stuff on. Like sure. there, there is a real sort of Southern masculine performativity that yeah. uh, he's really tapped into. That one of the things, you know, uh, about masculine performativity, which I think the masculine is absolutely performed, uh, and sure. this is one of the specific ways in which we might see this in this little, you know, uh, bell jar that uh, is this film and Southern masculinity. Because there's a lot of dudes like, you know, uh, they'll say, you know, I I worked oil rigs for this many years, and I tripped so much pipe, and I, you know, and and, and they'll they'll sort of throw in the nomenclature, and it is like these sort of like pronouncement announcements, performance radio theater mm-hmm. that they that they perform that he that he performs on CB that people will do in just conversation, and so I I think there is a nugget of performativity. I I turn people's attention to Richard Dyer's great essay on male performativity, and it's a lot of it talks about Die Hard mm-hmm. and uh, Bruce. Willis and using it as sort of a beginning place to think about how this is a way that a lot of Southern men uh, of a particular generation, I think this is definitely not the case as, as much now, but uh, of a particular generation that they will, they will put, they, they have a, they have these little bits and they have this little act that they do. And yeah. the, the, you know, uh, Harry Connick Jr. is doing a little bit of this in Independence Day. You know, okay, sure. You know, he's he's the, these things he says when he's um uh on on the on the plane, but you know, we're going to kick the tires and light the fires, but th- that's the kind of stuff that I, you know, yeah. I'm talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. just want I forgot Harry Connick was an Indian. I also <laughs> I was trying to place who he was. Yeah, I he, he's the he's the reverend or the preacher, or the deacon with, or uh, he's or, the he's so, the other pilot with Will Smith. Yeah, he's got yeah. some sort of religious handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forget what it is. Um really. I th- I think a lot about I I think there's a time thing because I think this ties two things together: Jay Reed and the the the, the uh, gender stuff mm-hmm. uh, here. Jay Reed's kind of 
discography of writing these songs that I think at the surface layer are very chauvinistic. Mm-hmm. Think of I got the gold, mi- she got the gold mine, I got the shaft, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. Where he is, there's one uh, talking about, uh, you know, she's a she's a two, and I'm a ten, right? Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's very derivative of women, but as the songs play out, there's something more progressive about it because you realize he's the scumbag. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's the douche. It's the the unfolding reveal of the yeah, narrator yeah, is yeah, actually yeah. the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. And I but think here, something... I, here I am, sort of talking about my my troubles, and let me tell you about my hard sell, yeah, and yeah. then you just sort of tell on yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's almost this like it's almost like a backhanded compliment of progressive thought. I think mm. wherein they're I think well intentioned messaging, but I think if you're not careful with that delivery system, can come off in a way that isn't earnest or doesn't get the result you're hoping for. Yeah. People miss the point of stuff yeah, all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I think the, the humor of this movie, especially in relation to the way uh, frog is presented mm-hmm. and that character, I, I think is very similar to the style of comedy and music that even Jerry Reed was doing. So I think there's like something really culturally there going on a way forward with maybe not knowing the best way forward in some of those conversations yeah i mean the, the film is on sally field's side right like it wants frog to run away from this wedding yeah and it, oh for it, sure yeah and it is like on board with her wanting to hook up with bandit too. and i think there's yeah and i think there's a lot of time in here where it's like this might even not this might even, not even last a week yeah you know yeah. like i i think there's yeah. that kind of nonchalance about it yeah it does feel like it could definitely be just a fling and it's not judgmental about that yeah Yeah. right like there is there is and that kind of speaks to like the fact that the band i mentioned this earlier that the bandit snowman like have this whole coalition of people around them that support them like it is sort of like weirdly progressive in its ways even as it's doing things that you know make you roll your eyes and go gross it's yeah it's it's kind of interesting there's one thing that i want to i know it feels like we're, we're wrapping this up and this is sort of the most smoky in the bandit place to leave it at, I think is frog asks the bandit why he's doing all of this. And he says, it's for the American life, uh, for the money, for the glory, mostly the money, mostly the money or for the fun, for the money, for the fun and the glory, but mostly the money. Mostly and the money. at the end of the day, that truly is what it's all about. It is not that he is a, uh, a rebel uh, without a cause. Yeah, this, this, this is no easy writer. No, yeah. he's, he's a show-off who likes making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is what the bandit does and best. And maybe a little more of a show because the, the great culmination of this movie is not him getting a payday. It is him taking a double-or-nothing bet if they can go get clam chowder back. Yeah, so is it really about the money <laughs> yeah. for the bandit or, or is, is it, it about fun? the fun and the glory? And he's good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah. I, I like it. I think uh, it speaks to that masculine performance thing, too, mm-hmm, right? Like, yeah. he says he wants the money, but it really is just he wants people's adulation. Yeah. 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 And we all want to be needed. We all yeah. want to be accepted. Exactly. Yeah. And we want to be a hero. Yeah. We, we, we want to be a legend. Hero. Yeah. 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 Legend in our own time. Uh, last point is product placement. How much money did Coors put into this movie? So. <laughs> I, I meant to look it up because I was so fast because. It's not just 400 cases of beer. It's 400 cases of Coors. It comes from... It's refreshing. Yeah. And people are wearing Coors shirts. It comes from Hal Needham. It comes from Hal Needham. Okay. Uh, When him and Reynolds were working on Gator, somebody brought a bunch of Coors to the set of Gator from L.A. Uh Uh-huh. And Hal Needham kept having Coors go missing from his hotel room or something. And he guess he busted the maid. And the maid was like, oh, yeah, you can't get this here. 
So it was just finding really? out about. Is it like a, it's like so a six, it's just Coors? Is it, it, it like a six point beer thing? Is that what we're no, talking about? No, it was about? just like a, a manufacturing thing. I think it was like a distribution really? and manufacturing. Oh. Thing. I, I looked this up the first so time I saw some it. Distribution. Thing. It's like it's Coors it's, was weirdly a regional beer. Yeah, it's yeah. Quick Trip can't come into Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yeah, although it's not, yeah, it's not bootlegging to take Yingling from Ohio to Texas yeah. anymore, like you or you know Lone Star yeah. to Brooklyn or wh- whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but for whatever reason, yeah, there was like some very specific distribution law stuff. That's I've looked this up before and huh. forgotten the details, but yeah, yeah, was, I just assumed it was like a three point two to six point kind of thing. No, I, I, yeah. and that could have been that. Um, but again, it was just Needham finding out about this detail. And he's like, "Well, I want to make a movie about that. That's a movie." Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is a movie. That's so cool. Yeah. Huh. Isn't that fun? Interesting. Well, let's go ahead and render a verdict uh, with Smokey and the Bandit. Shelf or trash? What say you first? Uh, We'll go with you, Arthur, with the most affection. Shelf or trash for Smokey and the Bandit? I think it's probably me that's got the most Uh, affection. Oh, okay. But I'll answer you first. Okay. Because I think I would very lightly... (sighs) Kind of put it on the shelf. Oh, (laughs) interesting. (laughs) I I think there's something very (laughs) specific about this. I don't know. Yeah. But there is just something so yeah. singular about it. Uh, the only other live action cartoon we've seen with this much energy is Gremlins Two, mm-hmm. yeah, right, mm-hmm. which is a Looney Tunes brought to life. Uh, and, and there's something about that. Something about I think just in the the stuff we alluded to about the state of how society has viewed police work and trucking and the southernness, uh, like all those kind of societal cultural factors about it. I think it make a very interesting conversation piece yeah so I'd, I'd lightly put it on the shelf it's oh. fun all right dalton i great. bought worse he with greatest affection let's see if it's true or not shelf or trash yeah no this is very shelfable okay yeah, i am with arthur i think the hijinks in this are just like uh, the the height of hijinks it's so good uh in america you action comedies don't usually deliver on the action this well sometimes but, you know, it's, we, you know, there's not a lot of super cops over in the States, right? There's not mm. a lot of movies that deliver on the stunts and the jokes, and, and the stunts are funny, right? And there are funny stunts in this movie. Yeah. And I, I, again, like, for the kind of chaotic Looney Tunes energy that this manages to bring for, and again, as Arthur said, like, this, this kind of snapshot of time of a weird beer laws and a different sort of Southern uh, understanding of the police state, uh, a time when the coolest thing you could do was run from the cops, which is, I, again, I just I think culture's changed a lot. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, twenty years after, well, about twenty years after this, we'd have natural born killers, which sort of uh, tried to identify the sort of American uh, obsession with outlaws and stuff. But I think this does it in a, a way that's a little bit cleaner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have Oliver Stone doing his Oliver Stone thing. This does a, a, a little bit more cleanly and a little bit more sillyly. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I, this is a fun time at the movies that does still have something, as Arthur said, pretty singular about it. So I absolutely think it's worth shelving. It's it's hard to not find yourself having a great time, even for all of the things about it that I think are pretty objectionable, mm-hmm. uh, like unambiguously, like not good. Uh, it's still a fun time at the movies. Uh, one of the most fun times you could have at the movies, I would argue. Dustin, what about you? I think this movie is an essential watch. Really? And not an essential own. Interesting. I, I So I, I'm saying trash. I think, I think you need to watch it. I think you need to know this movie and be familiar with it. I think it's got enough going on with it culturally in its moment uh, and is reflective of a number of important issues. But I don't think this is a, a, a movie, unless you happen to fit its Venn diagram of interest, um, that you 
you would necessarily need to buy, and I'm not that guy. Uh, I sure. like that movie a lot. I, I had a lot of fun with it, but you know the problems mentioned and uh, its continued sort of usability. I don't know that it's going to reward sort of regular rotation rewatching. That's fair. And so with that, um, I say, yeah, it's good. Watch it whenever you get a chance. Uh, but also, you know, don't make a chance. Just let it come to you. And when it does, enjoy it and then move on. And if you just were absolutely enamored, I guess go ahead and buy it. But for me, I would not. So Well, if you were absolutely enamored with our discussion, you'll have to buy this film. It's not streaming anywhere right now. So, uh, I don't know. Go watch Smokey and the Bandit if you, you want to. You rent it on the Amazon, I think. Uh, it is rentable, I guess. Yeah. That's fair. It's not streaming free. Exactly. With subscription. Yeah. Is yeah, what he meant. Is what I mean. Yeah, there's no no service currently carries it. So you are going to have to rent this one or, or go pick up a copy. Uh, what do you think of Smokey and the Bandit? Let us know. You can send your long-form feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com that is the name of the show you're listening to at gmail.com uh you can also follow us on twitter at goodtrashmedia uh it's where we post links to the shows uh and share you know things going on in the world of film and television that we're interested in that we care about uh or share work from other people that we like and that uh, uh we've been doing i don't know uh by the time you're hearing this uh because of the magic of uh recording and time traveling i was on a August movie roundup with our friend Caleb Masters. Speaking of things we probably posted about, but if you're listening to this right now, that's the thing you could see us post about on at Good Trash Media on Twitter is when we're on other people's shows. And, you know, go listen to uh, the cinematic schematic if you want to hear me talk about all the damn movies I saw in August. It was a bunch. And uh, had a good time talking with our friend Caleb. Uh, if you want to support this show, you can do that. It's, it's fun. It's fun and easy to do and fairly cheap. You go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and uh, you decide how much money you want to give us. And uh, in return, you also decide what you get out of it. Do you get to pick a movie for us to talk about? Do you want to be the one saying they should watch Smokey and the Bandit 2? Because I can tell you right now, not a snowball's chance in hell we ever talk about that movie unless you give us money and make us talk about it. Um, Do you want to own Smokey and the Bandit? Well, fill out the little survey that Arthur will send you if you give us enough money. And if you say your favorite actors are Burt Reynolds and Sally Fields, I can guarantee you, you're probably going to get a copy of Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> so again, if you want to help support us, that's patreon.com forward slash GTM. Arthur. It's that of the flying nun. Well, that's too, I guess. <laughs> Arthur, next week we close out our, our 10-year celebration with uh, a film that I know is near and dear to your heart. Uh, you want to tell the listener a little bit about it? Uh, first, I just want to state that after 10 years, our shelf or trash system still makes zero sense. No, um, absolutely not. We've never honed in on how Totally it agree. Sense. Just yeah. makes zero sense. Arbitrary Ooh, and absolutely. arbitrary system ever developed for <laughs> rating criteria. Uh, next week, uh, we, we, we move into the, the fourth week of this marathon, uh, but we got to watch our backs because you never quite know where the MIBs is at. Next week, grab your noisy crickets because we're watching Men in Black. I think we might just get jiggy with it. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. Welcome to Miami.